you got to get passionate about this thing. If the cross doesn't move you, nothing will move you. I'm offering you something that's greater than silver and gold. I'm offering you something that's greater than an increase in your pay on your job. I'm offering you a... There's no shortcuts to the glory. We've got to get past week-to-week living. We've got to multiply our prayer life. We've got to multiply our efforts. And we are willing to give. God will always give it back to us in good measure. That is pressed down, shaken together, and running over. Hey, thanks for checking out our Christian Life Church podcast. You will be hearing from one of our pastors or guest speakers, either at our Frankfurt or Lebanon campus. Prepare your hearts and your minds to receive a word from God. Thanks for listening. Enjoy and receive this message. And Cincinnati is exploding in revival. And we're excited about what God is doing. And he is a blessing to the kingdom and a preacher extraordinaire. And it's an honor tonight to have Pastor Joel Urshan here. Would you put your hands together and welcome Pastor Urshan as he comes. We love you, sir. Preach your heart. Can we give the Lord a great hand clap of praise? For his many blessings. For he is good. Oh, he's good. His mercy is everlasting. His truth endureth to all generations. And it is such a joy. Oh, my goodness, it's such a joy to be here tonight, to be with all of you in this great service. And I want to give honor to Pastor and Sister Jordan and the great Jordan family. Could we give them a great big hand? God bless you. We love you and honor you. And it's so wonderful to see this beautiful campus. And this is my first time uh, here at the new building. But I feel like I've been here because you have been such an inspiration to us as we were going through the building project in Cincinnati to see all that God was doing here you inspired many people even beyond this locale and God bless you for it God's doing great things in this region amen he's doing great things in this region and we thank you for we thank you for all that you are and uh, my mind goes back because now these are my old stomping grounds just a little east of here in Kokomo, Indiana, where I grew up, and I have longtime friends here today, the Kingsmith family, and, and of course the Hopper family, and we all go way back and love them so very much, and I could go on and on. So good to see Brother and Sister Hackler here tonight. God bless you and honor you. So good to see you again. Amen. I remember being at, at uh, Indiana Sunday School Camp when you were Sunday School Directors, and so good to see all of our 
pastors and ministers. So good to see Brother Fields. God bless you. Pastor Robinson, God bless you. So good to see the wonderful people of God. And I can just grateful. Amen. So good to see the McDonald family. And I better stop because I'm going to be leaving folks out. But it's just so good to be back at home and again in Indiana. And I'd like to invite your attention to the book of 2 Kings chapter 7. When we were in Indiana, we had the great privilege of serving on the Indiana District Youth Committee, and uh, we enjoyed doing that so much. And one of the one of the main reasons was because we were able to serve while Brother and Sister Jordan were the youth president, and they made it so fun. They made it so enjoyable to be a part of that uh, great work. And uh, everything you do for the Lord, all of it. All of it turns out to be for the benefit, the compounding benefit of eternal value. And we thank God for it. I'm going to read a few scriptures in your hearing, but, I, but I'm going to read through it here quickly so that we can continue moving. But it's 2 Kings chapter 7, beginning with verse 1. There were four leprous men at the entering end of the gate, and they said one to another, Why sit we here until we die? If we say we will enter into the city, then the famine is in the city, and we shall die there. And if we sit still here, we die also. Now therefore come and let us fall into the host of Assyrians. If they save us alive, we shall live. If they kill us, we shall but die. And they rose up in the twilight to go unto the camp of Assyrians. And when they were come to the uttermost part of the camp of Syria, behold, there was no man there. For the Lord had made the host of Assyrians to hear a noise of chariots and a noise of horses, even the noise of a great host. And they said one to another, Lo, the king of Israel hath hired against us the kings of the Hittites, the kings of the Egyptians, to come upon us. Wherefore they arose and fled in the twilight, and left their tents and their horses, their asses, even the camp as it was, fled for their life. And when these lepers came to the uttermost part of the camp, they went into one tent and did eat and drink and carried thence silver and gold and raiment and went and hid it came again and entered into another tent and carried thence also and went and hid it. Then they said one to another, We do not dwell. This day is a day of good tidings, and we hold our peace. If we tarry till the morning light, some mischief will come upon us. Now therefore come that we may go and tell the king's household. Verse number 12. The king arose in the night. And said unto his servants, I will now show you what the Syrians have done to us. They know that we be hungry. Therefore are they gone out of the camp to hide themselves in the field, saying, When they come out of the city, we shall catch them alive and get into the city. Verses 14 and 15. They took therefore two chariot horses the king sent after the host of the Syrians, saying, Go and see, go and verify. And they went after them unto Jordan, and lo, all the way was full of garments and vessels, which the Syrians had cast away in their haste, and the messengers returned and told the king. I'd like to speak to you this evening, this Wednesday evening of the Great Awakening Revival Conference. I'd like to speak to you on this subject, expect the blessing. Expect the blessing. Hallelujah. Would we lift up our voices unto God and ask his blessing upon the preaching of his word. Lord God, I thank you for everything you have done, everything you are doing. I thank you for every soul that is gathered in this place. I thank you for Christian Life Church. 
I thank you for Pastor and Sister Jordan. I pray, Lord, that the blessing of God would be upon this house. Let your spirit move in this place, oh Lord. Let your spirit move in this place, oh Lord. I pray in the name of Jesus that you would have your way and let your word be confirmed with signs following. Let the anointing of the Lord rest upon us, we pray, in Jesus' name. And the church said, in Jesus' name. Everybody said, amen. And amen. God bless you. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. God bless you in the name of the Lord. King Herod was the king in the days of Jesus and in the days of John the Baptist. When he heard the reports of Jesus' ministry, he being a, a wicked king, hearing the reports of the ministry of Jesus, reports such as the blind are made to see, the deaf are made to hear, reports like the dead are being raised to life and the lame are walking, and that the Jews believe that this is Messiah. Many, many of the Jews believe that this could very well be the Messiah. It, it actually is the gospel of the kingdom. It was the words that Jesus used to tell John the Baptist. You go tell John the Baptist that the blind see and that the deaf hear and that the lame walk. And, and yet when those words reached the ears of King Herod, uh, he had a, a unique response to those words. And you would think that that would bring joy if, if we were to bring people up here tonight to testify of the miracles that God has done in their lives, uh, then no question, there would be great joy in the house. But when Herod heard the words of this gospel, this literally good news, it, that's what it is, it's, it's, it's the good news, but when he heard it, he, he had this response. He said, it is John. It is John. Now, the reason he said it is John he was incorrect. It wasn't John. It was Jesus. But he really believed that John had come back to life. And he expected that this was the case because his uh, role in John the Baptist's death haunted him still. He ordered the execution of John the Baptist. In a moment of, of inflamed uh, lustful passions, he made a vow in front of so many people to Herodias' daughter who had danced, and he said, I'll give you whatever you want. Little did he know that the request that would come back to him would be beyond the pale. It was, it was something that was unthinkable and was treacherous, and it came from Herodias herself out of vengeance for John the Baptist preaching and exposing her sin. But it was simply this, I want the head of John the Baptist in a charger. I want, him, I want his head cut off. And so Herod wasn't expecting that, but he had made this commitment in front of all of the people. He was now bound to respond to it, and, and he did. And he ordered the execution, and the greatest prophet who ever lived died at the hands of this wicked king, Herod, and it haunted him. And he, he clearly could not get over it even to the point that when people were talking about the ministry of Jesus, all Herod could think about was his role in the death of John the Baptist. 
He couldn't rejoice in the good news that Jesus was alive and well. He couldn't rejoice in the good news that miracles were taking place in the lives of the people. All, all of that good news and all of those good reports were simply unthinkable. His mind was laden with condemnation as he considered his own role in the demise of the greatest prophet who had been born of woman. And, and so he said, it is John. But, but you're wrong, Herod. It is not John. It is Jesus. And he is alive. And he is doing wonders among the people. But we are a lot like Herod in that we many times think to ourselves when we hear of the goodness of God, when we hear of the miracles of God, the blessing of the Lord, many times we're unable to process that this is good news at all. Because our mind is still preoccupied with the things we have done wrong. We are preoccupied with our own unworthiness. How could anything good ever come to me? Because surely I've got some looming penalty awaiting me. And, and I could never qualify for the blessing of the Lord. You don't know what I've done. You don't know where I've been. You don't know what all I'm responsible for. And so don't tell me about the goodness of God. Don't tell me that miracles are, are, are along my path because I don't, I, that kind of stuff doesn't just happen to me. I hear that it happens to other people, but this, this, this is John. This can't be Jesus. It has to be, it has to be John. And, and I want you to know tonight, I've come to preach to you and to declare to you that God wants to bless you. God wants to bless you. And I'm talking to you. I, I'm talking to you that God wants to open the windows of heaven and pour out blessings that you, yeah, you, will not have room enough to contain. Yeah, I am talking to the person next to you, but I'm also talking to you. I'm talking to each and every one of you. God wants to bless you. It is the Father's good pleasure to give unto his children the kingdom. He wants you to be full and overflowing. He wants you to have plenty and bounty. He wants you to have abundance. He wants you to prosper. He wants you to be in good health. He wants to bless you. Hallelujah. Now, I, I'm not going to stand up here and lie to you and tell you like some might and say that you can just live any old way you want to. And that God's just going to ignore all of that and just bless you in spite of your uh, sin. I won't tell you that. That would not be truthful with you. You have to. You must. You absolutely must. It is prerequisite that you repent of all your sin. This is why on the day of Pentecost... When they asked the question, what shall we do? The first word out of Peter's mouth was repent. It's the first word of the plan of salvation. Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost for the promise is unto you.
and to your children and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. You have to repent. Repentance is not an option. And as long as there is sin festering in your life, you will have a problem with God. I want you to understand that. You're going to have an issue with God. It's not your imagination that you have an issue with God. If you have sin lurking and festering in the recesses of your soul, you've got to put that out on the altar. You've got to lay that down before the Lord. The scripture says that if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear my prayer. God's not, God doesn't answer us when we regard iniquity in our hearts. There really is this choice you have to make. You cannot serve two masters. You're either going to serve God and nothing else or you're going to serve something else. You can't love the Lord thy God with a little bit of your heart. You either love him with all your heart or you don't love him at all. And you can't just love him with all your heart. You either love him with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, and all your strength. Or you don't love him at all. the days of just living any old way you want to and having whatever sin that you have regarded in your heart and just expect God to bless that mess. No, that's not how it works. You put it all out on the altar and say, God, I give you everything. I give you all of me. I turn from my sin. I turn from my evil ways. I turn from the imagination of my heart. I turn from every wicked way that is not like you. So serious is this matter of being right with God that, that the scripture even teaches us to, to say, cleanse thou me from secret faults. Faults I have and don't know I have them. Faults I have and nobody else, including me, knows I have them. God, search my heart. Know my thoughts. Try my reins. Oh, hallelujah. You know, sometimes God will try your reins. Hallelujah. That, that, that's a reference to, to leading a horse. And, and, and he said, try my reins. Just kind of nudge me in this direction. And if I resist and refuse, then there's something going on on the inside. Try my reins and see if I follow wherever you lead. We have to put it all out before the Lord. Repentance is still the answer. Whatever you're going through, I want to tell you, repent. Whatever you're facing, repent. Whenever I have something I can't explain, I go before God and say, Lord, is there anything in me unlike you? But you've got to get that out there. You know, even if we, the Apostle Peter said, husbands, you've got to treat your wife right because, because your prayers could be hindered if you're, if you're not treating your spouse right. And that, that really goes for any relationship. If you're mistreating anybody, it'll hinder your prayers. And so we want to we be right with God. And I, I want to make that abundantly clear before I proceed. We, we love to quote the scripture, If my people which are called by my name 
shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven, forgive their sin, and heal their land. But, the, but the, there's a big word that starts that verse. It's a big two-letter word. If. Oh, hallelujah. It all hinges on if my people, which are called by my name. And, you, and, and then a sequence develops. And each step of that sequence makes the next, next step more feasible, more probable. So if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves. That's where it starts. You'll never turn from your wicked ways if you don't humble yourself. If they will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways. See, the whole issue is turning from your wicked ways. But God knows you'll never turn from your wicked ways if you're not humbled and praying and seeking his face. You can try all day long to turn from your wicked ways and you never will. Your flesh will never turn from wicked ways unless you humble yourself and pray and seek his face. Oh, but friend, if you'll turn from your wicked ways, then he will hear from heaven, forgive your sin and heal your land. Oh, I pray, pray to God we could have a revival of repentance in our nation. I pray to God we could have a revival of repentance in our nation. A great awakening where people bring everything to God and say, Lord, I'm laying it all down. I'm putting it at the foot of the cross. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. But many times, unless that happens, we, we're a lot like the prodigal son where we think to ourselves, there's no way, there's no way I could ever be blessed. I've gone too far. I've done too much. I've crossed too many thresholds. There's no turning back now. But, but thank God in that great parable, the prodigal came to himself and said, I will arise. Oh, I would to God somebody would arise. Hallelujah, come to yourself and arise and say, I will go to my father's house. And he went to his father's house. Now, I want you to notice when he gets there, the father runs to him, embraces him, kisses him, welcomes him. He said, can I be a servant? The father said, you're not my servant. Get out of here with that. You're my son. And you know what it tells me? It tells me that he never understood the true nature of the father to begin with. That's why he left, because he never understood the true nature of the Father. And there are many people who are prodigal today because they never truly understood the nature of the Father. That's why we have to welcome them with open arms when they return. And when we do, it'll cast down every imagination that the enemy tried to build up within their mind. Every lie the enemy told them about, they don't love you. They're all waiting for you to fail. They all don't believe in you. They're talking about you. All of those lies will be cast down when we meet them as they emerge and say, I've been waiting for this day for a long time. Glory. Hallelujah. The prodigal needs to come back and expect 
God to bless him. Expect the Father to be waiting for him. I don't know what you've done or where you've been, but you hear me. You can expect God to bless you. You can expect God to open up the windows of heaven. I want to tell you what else I'm not saying before I go any further. I want to tell you what else I'm not saying. I'm not saying that bad things won't happen to good people. Bad things do happen to good people. But I will tell you that even if a bad thing happens to a good person, somewhere in there is the blessing of the Lord. There is no bad thing that can just roll up into your life and wreak havoc without blessing. This is what Jacob understood. Jacob wrestled all night long until the, bless, the breaking of the day. And when that angel, that similitude of God, that whatever it was that has wrestled him through the night, said, let me go. Jacob said, I will not let you go until you bless me because I know God well enough to know he didn't let me fight all night long without a blessing in store. I, I know there's a blessing in this somewhere and I'm holding on until the blessing comes. I don't know what you're going through, but if you repent from all your wickedness, you can know there's a blessing somewhere. I didn't struggle through this for nothing. There's a blessing. I'm not just walking away with a limp. I will have a blessing in my hand as I go. Count your blessings. Name them one by one. And don't forget the blessings in disguise. the way and saw Esau coming with 400 men. That was a bad sign. Last thing you heard Esau say was, I'm going to kill him. And now he finds out he's coming and he's got 400 men. And Jacob begins to make his way to Esau. The Bible says he bowed seven times on his way. When he got to Esau, Esau said, I have one question. Why are you bowing so much? And Jacob said, because I don't want you to kill me like you said you would. He said, man, you're my brother. And he embraced him. He said, forget all that stuff. You know that for 20 years, Jacob served with Laban and accepted the abuse of Laban because he thought he deserved it? Some of you are living in circumstances and conditions of abuse from the enemy because you don't expect the blessing. You expect some kind of terrible thing to come your way. Well, now, Brother Joel, you don't know what all I've been through. You don't know what I've done. You don't know who I've cheated. You don't know what I've said. You don't know. It doesn't matter. You can give all that to God and know that you know that you know that God wants to bless you. 
not just you, your marriage and your children and your children's children. It's time to shake off that heavy band of condemnation and step into the expectation of his blessing. can hear the thoughts of God for he knows the thoughts he has toward you thoughts of peace not of evil to give you an expected end you can expect the blessing of the Lord hallelujah these four leprous men are sitting outside the gate and as they're standing outside the gate they said we don't do well because sit here till we die we could we could we're gonna die if we sit here and we're gonna die of famine or we're gonna die of leprosy or we could go into the camp and beg for mercy and what's the worst that could happen we could die there but we might as well get a meal out of it if we can and maybe maybe they'll be nice I mean I doubt it but maybe and so they walk into the camp and nobody is in the camp Nobody, like it's a ghost town, except that it looks like people were just there. Because it's not a ghost town in the sense that there's nothing present. It's a ghost town in the sense that there's no no adversary and there's no person to stop them. But there's a lot of food and silver and gold and drink and provision. In the middle of a famine, there's all this stuff. And they're looking around like, what's going on? What they don't know is that the Syrian army who had encamped against Israel were at war with Israel. The Syrian army were made to hear by God the noise of horses and chariots. And they said they have hired the armies of the Egyptians and the Hittites to come against us and we're outnumbered now. And they ran. They were gone and they were never coming back. Now, some might say, well, God let them hear something that wasn't there. I would disagree with that and say, I would say it this way. I would say that God let them hear what people can't normally hear. But it was something that was very much present. It was just a couple of chapters before that, Pastor, hallelujah, that the Lord allowed Gehazi and Elisha to see the whole mountainside filled with the armies of the angelic host. Just a chapter before, they were in the proximity. They were in the general area. And I want you to know something. That when you are in the middle of a battle, you hear what I'm telling you. God is working when you don't know he's working. When he told us to stand still and see the salvation of the Lord, he didn't mean nothing is going on. He said, you stand still so I can go to work. Oh, he's very much. Even when you don't see it, he's working. Even when you don't feel it, he's working. He never stops, never stops working. Waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness. 
my God, that is who you are. And he'll make your enemies to hear things you can't see. And they'll scatter and you'll say, wait a minute, where did they go? They heard something you couldn't hear. They heard the armies of God in action. And the Syrian army ran and fled for their lives. And here come these four lepers and they're like, are you sure there's nobody here? They open up one tent flap and there's like, you know, Chick-fil-A. They open up another tent flap and there's Chipotle. It's all set up for them, all ready for like, like catered food. And they're trying to figure out, we don't understand it, but we're not going to ask any questions. The Bible says they ate till they were full. They drank until they were full. They were pocketing silver and gold. They were taking spoils. And finally, they were like, this isn't right. Something just feels a little off about this. And we need to share what we have found. So they did. They went and told the messenger. He told the porter. He told the messenger. He told the assistant. He told the other assistant who got word to the king that there are four lepers in the camp of the Syrians who have found it to be vacated. And there is all sorts of provision and you should go check it out. And the king, they awoke in, in the middle of the night to tell him. And the king is stumbling out of his bedchamber. And he's standing there with his nightcap on. And he's, he's listening to them explain to him how that the Syrians have just abandoned their camp. And they've got all this food and drink and money and raiment. And all sorts of, all sorts of valuable material and possessions. And livestock and cattle and weapons. And, and he said, listen. I hate to break it to you guys. I may have been born at night, but it wasn't last night. I've been around the block a few times. Let me tell you what's happening. And then he started doing what we do. He started leaning on past experiences and saying, there's no way that God would ever open something like this up to us. There has to be some string attached. And you know, here's the thing. With the blessing of man, there are strings attached. But with the blessings of God, let me tell you something about the blessing of the Lord. It maketh rich and addeth no sorrow. He said, I tell you what, y'all go check that out. And, and you be sneaky about it, because I, I, if, they, if they ambush you, then we'll know that we don't need to go down there. But on their way to the camp, they found the way filled with silver and gold and raiment and possessions and food and drink and all manner of provision. And they came and told the king, it's true, it's true, the Lord has blessed his people. And I've come to let somebody know tonight, it's it's true. It's true. The Lord really does have a blessing for you. And it's not too good to be true. And you don't need to lean on past experiences of getting your hopes up and seeing them dash. You need to expect that God is going to bless you. We sabotage ourselves all the time. We say things like, well, it'd be just my luck. Stop that. No, it wouldn't be just my luck. 
God loves me. God favors me. God has anointed me. And he has done the same for you and your family. Change your vocabulary. Shift the way you talk. Hallelujah. God has anointed me. God has chosen me. God has set me apart for his glory. Sister Jordan helped us launch the bridge project, which was 10 years ago, and it put us in position to start our journey into the new worship center that we're in today. And we went on a journey. We had another couple of capital campaigns over the years from that time, and it was this amazing journey. When we got to 2018, we launched Ready Now, which was the which was the campaign that built this building that we're in now. And, and uh, it, 2018 was one of the greatest years of, of our pastorate from the standpoint of just sheer pastoring. It was unreal. It was the blessed, the, the windows of heaven were just open. And the blessing of God was pouring down like rain. And I thought, my goodness, I've been waiting all my life to get to this point. I think I'll just stay here forever. And just keep living like this. The blessing of God was rich and abundant. And then 2019 rolled around and we entered into a year-long permit battle over the construction of our worship center. And it got fierce. And there, was, there were petitions passed around our city to try to shut down our building project. And there were lawyers brought in to try to prevent us from building. And, and they were saying things like, they're going to build a mega church. And they're going to have a Starbucks drive through and they're going to have thousands and thousands and thousands of people here. Every single weekend, thousands upon thousands of people are going to come. And I thought, in Jesus' name, amen. I, 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 was, I was really conflicted. I was like, I, I don't know whether to get mad or put you on the vision committee. I'm really torn about how to feel about this. And it was like, I, I don't, it was an unbelievable thing, but... They weren't saying it from a, a complimentary standpoint, and they rose up against us, and we loved them. And, and I do want to tell you that since that time, they have come back with great kindness to us, and many have even apologized for their role in it, and so God is good. But it was a year long that this took place, and one particular meeting that we were in, uh, uh, one of the men that was uh, uh, opposed to us, he was... He was uh, back at me and, and snarled at me, and uh, my daughter Anna was sitting next to me, and uh, she said, Dad, I, I've never seen somebody like hate you before, I've seen people disagree with you, I didn't, but that was really, that's like actual hatred, and I said, you know, I, I don't even think it's him, I think, you know, we're just in the middle of a spiritual warfare right now, and, and but that's what we were up against, and it was, it was something very fierce, I remember one particular day, I came into the, the church, uh, to the office, and when I came into the office, there was a letter on the desk from the city. I didn't want to open it. I, I just, I looked at that and thought, nothing is good, nothing good is coming from the city right now. And I know what's in that letter. It's some kind of a blistering uh, statement against us. It's some kind of a, some kind of a rebuke of some sort and, and some intimidation. But I got to read it, so I opened it up, and I, I, 
prepared myself, took a big deep breath, looked to the heavens and said, Lord, just help me process this. I pulled out the letter and I opened it up and it said, Dear Reverend Ursham of Tree of Life Church, just a note to thank you for your kindness to our community, for all the service that you do here. We're a better place because of your presence here and we wish you all the best as you proceed. And, and I thought, huh, wasn't quite what I was expecting. And the Lord spoke to me in that moment. And this is what he said. He said, stop expecting the work. And start expecting the blessing. I've come to tell somebody, it's time to stop expecting the worst and start expecting the blessing of the Lord. When that man looked back at me and snarled, I sat there and I thought, man, I don't think this could get any worse. It's This is as bad as it gets. And the, I felt the Lord just come down beside me. It was like the, the Father, just my Father came down beside me and said, I'm not going to let you care about this anymore. I'm taking the care off of you now. And all in one moment, I didn't care. No, I mean like I, I actually didn't care about anything. I didn't care what they said. I didn't care if we got the permit. I didn't care if we built the building. I didn't care. And I thought, God, is it okay that I don't care? Because I really don't care. And, and, and then I started realizing what cares are. Cares will choke you out and will choke your faith. We equate the word care with love. We think that if we say I care for you that we're saying I love you. But that's not how the Bible uses the word. Care has to do with worrying and fretting and anxiousness. And so when the Bible says cast all your cares upon him for he careth for you. We think that's saying cast all your cares upon him for he loves you. But that's not what that verse is saying. He does love you but that's not what that verse is saying. This is what that verse is saying. Cast all your worries and your frets and your fears and your frustrations and your anxieties upon him. And he will deal with all of that on your behalf. And all at once, I didn't care where the money was going to come from. I didn't care if the building was going to get built. I decided I'm just going to worship God, preach the word, reach the lost, let God be true, every man a liar, and God will care for me. I'm going to tell you something, ladies and gentlemen. I don't care. I don't care. I don't care. God cares. God takes care of what I'm worried about. I want somebody right now to take what they're worried about and lift it up to God and say, Lord, you take this worry. God, you take this fret. God, you take this anxiety and this frustration. not laying awake one more night I'm releasing it to God I'm not worried about what tomorrow holds I know God is going to move on my behalf go ahead and stand with me if you will and lift your hands to heaven and your voice to God
and say, Lord, I can't care about these things anymore. Some of you are crippled by fear. Some of you are crippled by anxiety. Your anticipation of things going wrong, things going awry has crippled you, but God is going to deliver you from it on this night. This night, He's going to deliver you from it. You might say, I, I, I would love to believe you, Brother Joel, but I just don't know if I can believe that. It's time to start believing it. It's time to get out of the pattern of doubt. Step away from the pattern of false expectations and expect God to bless me. I expect the Lord to bless my family. Even if we're going through a trial, there's a blessing that's going to come from the trial. tell you something you are afraid of the worst case scenario that's what you're afraid of you're afraid of the worst case scenario you're afraid of everything blowing up you're afraid of everything going wrong and you live in fear of it it's actually the fear of death in disguise but here's what I want to tell you two things number one the worst case scenario rarely develops that's number one Two, when it does, God will be there with you. And it won't be as bad as you fear it will be. Be released from that fear right now in the name of Jesus. And live in the abundance of contentment. Live in the joy of faith. Live in the joy of knowing it's going to be okay. <laughs> Live in the joy of knowing it's going to be all right. I want somebody to come to the front of this house on this Wednesday night of awakening. And I want you to come ready to say, God, I'm releasing it all to you right now. God, I'm releasing it all to you right now. I'm releasing all fear. I'm releasing all worry. I'm releasing all anxiousness. I'm giving it all to you, oh God. My fear of the worst. From this moment forward, you're going to stop expecting the worst. Start expecting the blessing. You're going to stop expecting the worst doctor's report, and you're going to start expecting healing. You're going to stop expecting financial calamity, and you're going to start expecting financial blessing. You're going to start expecting Jehovah Jireh. The Lord is my provider. Jehovah Rapha. The Lord is my healer. Jehovah. The Lord is my shepherd. It's going to be all right. It's going to be all right. Come on, lift your voice and give it to God right now. Give it to God right now.